Alrighty. Welcome to this episode of Brews Interviews. I'm Leonard and I'm here with Jason Delatore of Ogopogo Brewing. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing today, Jason? Great. Thanks. Thank you for having me. So Ogopogo Brewing uh, was established in 2018 by yourself and Ryan Edel. Am I pronouncing the, the last name right? I think so. Um, it's German. <laughs> I always say Edel and he's oh, okay. never corrected me. And okay. I don't know if I've ever heard him say his last name. <laughs> Oh, well, my, that's the homework. Like, how, homework is to ask him, like, how do you pronounce the last name? That, that'd be pretty funny, I think. Uh, okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how Ogopogo came to be in, in San Gabriel. Um, well, I guess um, I, I got started in craft beer because I, um, I used to be a touring musician. And when I got to a point where that was no longer what I wanted to do with my life. I went back to bartending because that's kind of an obvious job for a musician. And when I got back to bartending, I ended up finding a job at a place that had 51 taps. I knew nothing about craft beer. I drank Amstel Light and drank uh, Jameson. This was like the extent of my alcohol consumption. And, and what year was this? Um, probably 2009, 2010 is when that kind of came to a close. And uh, I started homebrewing because bartending in a craft beer bar with 51 handles, people ask a lot of questions. And it was just natural instinct for me to want to know how it's made if I'm going to understand what makes the different styles different. My only formal education after high school was culinary school. And so that was just kind of a, a, a normal thing for me to do. Oh, let's see how the sausage is made and then I'll be able to explain it. And then and where did you do uh, culinary training? Uh, in San Diego. I was a small okay. in culinary institute that no longer exists. Okay. I think it no longer exists. I remember someone telling me that at some point. Um. But yeah, started homebrewing. Um, wanted originally my my goal was to open a dive bar uh, or try to take one over, uh, but realized I wouldn't be able to afford to buy someone's liquor license. And so a friend and I had looked into opening a restaurant. He was a chef in LA, and we started, um, you know, developing a menu. We found investors and did like a dinner for them. And I introduced the idea of craft beer. What if we did a restaurant that was also a brewery? They loved it and things kind of fizzled out with my friend. He got married, had a kid and I moved back to San Diego and still wanted to uh, continue learning about beer. So I ended up at St. Archer and that's where I met Ryan and he was uh, running the lab there and I ended up being his lab assistant we hit it off and said hey we both have this plan of opening a brew pub in los angeles why don't we do it together because his wife at the time was living in los angeles it made sense why don't me and my wife live in the same city and so then long story finally gets us to where we opened a brewery in san gabriel and um, so, no, so are are any of you from the San Gabriel Valley area? No, I'm well. Technically, I was born in South Carolina, 
and raised in San Diego. Ryan was born in Boston and he was a minor league baseball player. So we both just traveled everywhere. Um, and it was because of his wife at the time was working in LA as an actor and a model. That's what was his reason for wanting to open a place in LA. And I wanted to because the guy who played drums, who was my closest friend, and still is one of my closest friends, uh, is from LA. And so that's what drew me to opening a business in this area. And so you started in 2018. And then soon after, um, you won silver at Great American, uh, the Great American Beer Festival uh, for uh, a Bowman Belgian White uh, in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, that was quite the surprise. Yeah, that, it's great. A year, a year in, and you're already placing medals at uh, at the festival, um, and you repeated that feat the following year. Is it 2020? Is when you uh, won the silver medal again? Yeah, also very surprising because no one ever medals for the same thing twice, or it's very rare that it happens. And, and so, how were you uh, anticipating Nick's to perform uh, this past uh, this past month? Um. I mean, everyone submits their beers with like the hopes that it gets acknowledged. It's also very subjective. The judges, you know, have their opinions. We get our notes back every year. I was, I mean, we, we package the beer, everyone does, so far in advance. JBF's still a little archaic. Like people should be able to ship fresher beer. And so you're always trying to, see what you can do to make your shelf life of your beer the longest possible because it's best for the consumer. But in these scenarios, it's a great way to test that out. And so I think they're usually like a month and a half old by the time they're judged. So we keep a case of everything that we package to send. And we tried them all the day before the award ceremony. And oh, it was maybe a couple of days before. Um, and they get judged, I think, a couple of weeks before that. But we just wanted to know how they held up at that point. And Nix was one of the strongest beers in the submissions that we sent. And I was like, I'm pretty proud of how this is holding up at five, six weeks. So I thought I had a chance, but never did I imagine that we would get a gold medal for it. That definitely took me by surprise. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. Congratulations on that, uh, on that achievement. Uh, I mean, what are we, you're four years in now. So, I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment four years in, especially with the, you know, you can't, we, those are COVID years too, on top of that. So um, a pretty amazing accomplishment for considering the, what we've been through over the past few years. Yeah. We're certainly grateful that we have come out on the other end of that and survived. Uh, I do have a, a can of Nick's pale ale that I picked up uh, from Ogopogo on Friday uh, that I want to definitely open with you. Uh, what do you have over there? I see you have a can of something over there. I got more on. We're all out of Nick's, so I couldn't. I, <laughs> I know you said you wanted to hear the Nick's, but we don't have any more. Uh, oh, that's, that's, that's a good problem to have, right? For it's, you. A, it's a funny thing because we were phasing it out with our distributor. Um, Not anymore. We, we primarily made it for the Nick's restaurant chain. And so we would still make it, but we weren't really canning it for distribution we were kind of phasing that out so we're just gonna keep it for the tasting room we're still making it but then this happened and then like we want to buy all that you have left and i was like all right 
whatever. I mean, I'd like to keep some for the taste here, but both just blew out really fast, which is weird because historically metals don't sell beer and it's just kind of like a, I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy category to win in. Uh, Green Cheek has won the, I, I think either last year or the year before. It was the first time that that category like was on the map for me. I didn't even think of entering it because our pale ale isn't really like a English pale ale. It's certainly more tropical. And so they made a beer called Australian for pale. I think it won gold the other last year or the year before. And I was like, oh, that's the category that I need to be entering this beer in because it fits. So sure enough. So I have mixed pale ale. Yeah, when I went to on Friday, there were just a few four packs left, and uh, I'm sure they were gone that day um, that I was there. So th- this is Nick's pale ale, 5.5% ABV, uh, Simcoe, Chinook, and Mosaic hops. So I'm gonna join you in a virtual right. toast. Yeah, this is this isn't lasting very long. Much it about more than uh, than a four pack. Uh, here we go. Cheers, sir. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. Yeah, that's good. So, this has been fairly recent news, right? Uh, GABF was probably about two weeks ago. Um, how does winning a gold medal at GBF change things for you guys now? And it, it felt good. It was a, a pleasant thing. I drank entirely too much alcohol that day. <laughs> you weren't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like the, the running thing is you drink a lot because you won or you drink a lot because you didn't is what happens with brewers. It's, it's just such a weird thing because I don't think a lot of us get into it to be competitive and then there's just a weird thing where you're like, hey, it might be fun to just roll the dice. And then once you get a taste, you're like, oh, great. Now I, I need this fix <laughs> of winning medals, which is certainly not what I got into this for. I got into it because it was something that intrigued me. And I I guess when I first started homebrewing, I was like, I, I had said to friends, you know, I may not end up being the best at this but i know that i'll be really committed to it enough to where i think i can make like a solid product or a a beverage that people would want to drink that was my goal and And do you feel do you feel like the culinary training supports you in in brewing like the skills and you know and uh, flavor profiles and what's gonna what's gonna work and what's not gonna work and what hops i would use for this i don't know a lot of the things that I've used in making beer that I learned in culinary school are like tricks, like this beer could be more red. What's going to make it more red without imparting a lot of flavor. Let's use beet powder. And that's, that's generally the kind of thing that I, I end up using from that. I, I never chefed out of school. My, all my chefs in school were disappointed in me because I went back to playing music as soon as I graduated. And then, yeah, and I've, I've never professionally cooked. You, you, are you anticipating, cause I don't, you don't currently serve food at uh, Ogopogo. Is that something you're looking at expanding and doing a kitchen? We, we really want to open a second location eventually. And we would have a kitchen if that was something that we do. 
uh, and pizza was always the thing because we, we thought it would be not necessarily the easiest, but uh, something that I really enjoy. And I think that I have a pretty good, pretty solid dough and sauce recipe. It's something that's pretty easy to turn around and most people like pizza. The dough is vegan, so it's not that difficult to please all audiences. And yeah, we'll see. We also toyed around with the idea of uh, starting a food truck so we could have it at the brewery since we don't have a kitchen. Yeah. Uh, so Ogopogo, which I read, uh, I don't. So how did you get the name Ogopogo? Let's go back to let's go to that question. Where did that's that come a, from? That's a Ryan thing. Um, I hate naming things. <laughs> I, it's just not my thing. And when we worked at St. Archer together, uh, he would wear shirts to work that say "Race Car," "Taco Cat," or it would actually say like "Taco Cat" spelled backwards as "Taco mm-hmm. Cat." Um, and I never asked about them. I just kind of smirked. And once we decided to do business together, he said, all right, what do you want to call this thing? I'm like, not my favorite topic. He's like, what about a palindrome? And then I said, what is a palindrome? He said, it's a word that's spelled the same front to back. And he started reading me a list of palindromes and I hated it. Um, <laughs> It was a rather lengthy list too, but he got to Ogopogo. I, I guess audibly it sounded fun. Oh, what, what is an Ogopogo? He said, I don't know. Hold on real quick. Google searched. It's a lake monster in British Columbia. And I think pretty quickly we said, what if we did a mythology folklore themed brewery where each beer is a different creature, which solved one of my favorite problems i don't have to worry about naming beers ever again because we can just google mythological creatures and pick one so it's kind of what we've done for the most part we do have like a few random beers that aren't folklore or mythology and we never really second guessed that that was kind of like a cool all right we have a name now and um so you, you, all the cans have very distinct uh, illustrations where were how do you guys determine um what goes on the cover art for a can well i don't know if we had this in our conversation before you started recording but i do all of our graphic design so that was a really important thing for me to be able to have a theme it's kind of changed a lot over the years uh, I think I started out with a very specific style. I wanted this like really simple, almost like construction paper, cut out almost two-dimensional artwork. And then I had a friend give me a hard time and tell me that he knew I could do better. And so <laughs> I've just changed it over the years. Um, there's also part of me that also wants to do the less is more. And so we're just kind of trying to find that balance. We just think it's fun to have a you know an open canvas every time we make a beer we get to also produce a piece of art and that's part of the fun is when we go to package we get to see it for the first time in our hands and say oh not only is this this beer that we made but this is a piece of art that i made so now, just for clarification these are your drawings yeah all of them yes Most we have done a couple 
that um, I buy paintings at either thrift stores or swap meets that are a scenery of some sort, and then I'll paint a creature into it. And so it's not 100% me doing the artwork on those ones. I'm just kind of adding to it. So how do you get that? Like, so for, for Nix, which uh, I actually reminds me of a, another piece of art, but for Nix, how do you get the inspiration that you want? Like a, like um, a woman's head kind of three quarters or halfway out of the water. Like how, how do you come up with the ideas of what you're going to put down? So it's a water spirit shape shifter. Uh, but generally in most versions of the folklore, she lures men in and historically in the beer industry, there's been a lot of, misogyny a lot of uh i don't know just artwork that has focused on the female figure and it's something i do not enjoy participating in or just enjoy in general so every time that i have a female mythological creature i usually curse really loud and go "Ah, how am i gonna do this and i try to position like the body I'm like, okay, how can I do this so I don't have to do boobs and butts? And uh, in that particular one, I had the idea of making like an 80s like horror film type yeah. poster. That's why the, the font is Cooper Black, which is like a ridiculous, cheesy font. But it also is pretty cool when you look at older like movie posters. And it certainly made it easier for me to just do the top three quarters of the head like from the nose up because I didn't have to worry about the anatomy and I also thought it looked really creepy yeah you definitely get an ominous tone with the with especially with the eyes and the kind of the hair wisps looks uh, looks good thanks definitely looks good um are you in, are you a big horror movie guy I'm not actually uh, <laughs> my babysitter when I was five let me watch Friday the 13th and it really fucked me up. And uh, my mom let me watch Psycho at a really young age. <laughs> it's just not my thing <laughs> at okay. all. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch them, but I don't seek it out. I mean, and I'm not against it. It's just, it's, I guess it's a little childhood trauma. Are you a big film guy in general or? Yeah, I, I like film. Yeah, and how often would you say you watch when you watch a movie? You're probably a busy guy with uh, all the artwork and brewing. How often would you say you, what's what's the last movie you've you've watched? Uh, in theaters, Top Gun. Okay. Um, I don't know if I've watched a movie at home in a while. We're watching like Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Rings of Power. Um, uh, <laughs> am I dropping the oh Cobra Kai? Oh, that was, oh yeah, uh, that's good. That's a che- that's like a cheesy classic soap opera now that it's kind of turned into. I think the new season like is out. I haven't seen it yet. I feel like I've watched every season in one day. Every time it goes <laughs> out, it's just done. Yeah, it's definitely over the top uh, teen soap kind of thing. Plus, uh, plus uh, Johnny and uh, Ralph Macchio, <laughs> and they're oh. and they're they're bringing back like all the old school characters too. It's kind of funny. I don't think there's. I don't think there's anyone they haven't brought yet. Uh, even, even though uh, Pat Morita's not alive anymore, they still have the flashbacks uh, embedded into the season. So uh, they're, they're leaving no, sto- no stone unturned for that uh, show. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in the last season they brought um, 
two of the main characters from Karate Kid 3. I guess maybe if they get Hillary Swank in there at some point. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I she think she's available. <laughs> I think she's available to do an episode or two. Um, yeah, we're, we're watching for the show. We're reviewing, I guess, uh, Guillermo del Toro has a Netflix series that just premiered yesterday called The Cabinet of Curiosities, I think. Uh, so we're watching that right now. We're going to do a, a big uh, review on, on Friday, probably. But they did this, they're doing this weird thing where there's eight episodes and they're releasing two a day starting yesterday, every day till Friday. So the whole season will be out um, by Friday, the, all eight episodes. So it's kind of going like a, maybe like a Twilight Zone-ish uh, kind of horror, thriller, mystery type genre, I think is what they're going for. So uh, I'm trying to binge watch all of that over the next few days. I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, like a oh. Netflix Cabinet of Curiosities. And, oh, I like the cast already. Oh, yeah, it's it's well-casted. And, uh, and Blake Nelson, who's been in... Uh, why am I dropping the ball? It was like one of my favorite TV shows to come out in, I think, 2020. Um, it was an HBO... Watchmen. He was in Watchmen. Oh, okay. Okay. The oh, one yeah. I'm watching right now has uh, F. Murray Abraham, who I haven't seen in a while, but best known probably for uh, Scarface and uh, and uh, Amadeus. I, I think we're probably his two. I think he won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor on uh, Amadeus. So about uh, three quarters of the way through with that one. Um, but they also have pretty uh, f- uh, fairly well-known directors directing each episode too. So uh my, my, I'll give my verdict on the on when when I record the next episode. Right. Uh, let's see what else do I got here. So, what beers do you have in your fridge right now? Man, that's a uh, <laughs> question. Is, is that going to be like self promo? Like everything, everything's ogo pogo in my fridge. For the most part, I do have one beer in the fridge that um, when I worked at Mason Ale Works. We made a beer um, probably in like the last month or two before I left. And the head brewer who was taking over for me came from Lost Abbey. And the owner of Mason Networks, Grant Tondro, he was friends with Steve from Stone and Steve, why am I dropping the last name? professional baseball player who lives in the same area they're neighbors um and he was known for having a really slow wind up and he said what if we all make a beer together and we'll make a goose it's going to take us at least three years to make this yep so it was one of the last beers that i brewed at mason and i came back every year to brew with whoever worked there at the time and the steves The batch actually changed a couple of different times because they had different head brewers each time. One of the head brewers said, like, I need to walk around inside the mash tun to get my own, like, aura (laughs) on it. Because I heard that's part of the tradition of making this blended lambic. And they all aged in barrels, uh, some of them for three years, some of them for two years, some of them for one year. And then it all got blended and... um, the beer is called Human Rain Delay. 
and I have a bottle of that in my fridge. And I, I've had a bottle before and I thought it came out phenomenal, not just because I was a part of it. I was really impressed with the final product because I had nothing to do with the blending. I don't, I don't know anything about barrel aging lambics and how to blend them properly and do the tasting notes. It's just not something that's ever been in my wheelhouse. Um, I would love to learn more about it, but I don't, I don't know how much room I have in my brain right now. And I think that is the only beer in my fridge I came home with a four pack of this mow your lawn and that's, that's all I got, but I do recommend it. If you can find it anywhere, it's pretty phenomenal. And I was saving it because someone asked me to bring it to a bottle share and I, yeah, sitting there. Do you, do you, um, do you drink beer every day? Would you say being a brewer, being an owner of Ogopogo there, is it like part of your uh, routine? Not every day. I think it's really important to have like uh, some separation. Uh, I have a friend who was a real champion for mental health in the beer industry specifically and how difficult it is because alcohol being a depressant and it's part of the perk of working in this industry. And he had kind of taught me years ago, he's like, I make a calendar and I'll put days on it that I'm not drinking so I can, uh, you know, try to have some kind of balance in my life. I'm not as good as he is at it, uh, but I certainly try to make sure that I have those days. I mean, there are days where I'm trying beer at work, but I'm not having a pint. Right. But there's certainly, I mean, right now I still run our can line. So can days, we're usually all having at least like two pints while we're canning because it's like quality control. <laughs> it's part of the job yeah it's in the job description got it you have to sample and make sure everything's coming out the way it's supposed to um you, you said you worked in a, a bar and there were uh and there were taps um what were some of the earlier beers that really caught your attention and said hey, wow I, I this is different i haven't had this before this is something that i'm i'm enjoying are there, are there go-to's that you had back in the day and, and oh yeah do you still have those beers now no, <laughs> everything goes through phases for me. Um, a little bit cyclical. Uh, I think in the in the beginning, I was drawn to Belgian beers. I had Unibrews, La Fin de Mon, and it's like, wow, this is such a crazy, interesting, really like delicate beer that turns out it's like nine or nine and a half percent, and had it on on tour like playing a bar in florida and we weren't expecting the abv we're just like this is so cool and one of my friends said this is my favorite beer i'm like cool i'm like three down i'm like what just happened i think i'm drunk now but certainly early on it was the belgian beers i think the bar that i worked at would regularly have avery white rascal and so that was a thing um then at some point I was turned on to the IPA and this was still when IPAs were crazy bitter. And so mm-hmm. I was drinking a lot of like stone ruination or double hopped ruination. Excellent. Or stupid from uh, Lagunitas. Do they still make that? I think they do. Um, the ruination was probably one of my go-tos back in the day. Uh, and then they changed, they changed, they did a 2.0 and they changed the recipe on it somehow. And they kind of made it more balanced. 
And so I always, yeah. I, I always probably inappropriate say they ruined ruination by uh, <laughs> by taking out all the uh, all the bitterness that it was known for. Um, so you know, definitely. But I will say this much: they did the Ruin Ten this year, which is like supposedly the recipe from their tenth anniversary release of Ruination, and we tried that in the show, and it was phenomenal. It was back to that that super bitter high IBU. Um, West Coast IPA that that we were like addicted to back in the day, um, so that I would say that Ruination was, was a definitely a go to for a lot of people, including myself. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had it in so long. No, I, I think I, I think you could pick you probably could pick up a bottle of uh, of uh, that of that Ruin Ten. I'm not sure, probably not as fresh as it was a few months ago because I think it might have come out earlier in the year. Um, but you probably couldn't pick up a bottle of that Ruin 10 uh, from this year's release. I think that's a, uh, a sad thing that has happened since opening a brewery is that I am surrounded by beer all the time and beer that I make. I don't get out that often. I do have friends that visit and that's probably my favorite part of this is the relationships and friends bringing a beer that they make. So you get to have those conversations about what other people are doing and just keep an open mind and always stay fresh on whatever the wacky new trends are, even though I, I think the majority of my brewer friends are all at the point where we're now back to wanting to drink light, easy drinking beers, which yeah. is where I started at with the old AM still light. Yeah. I think right now that we see, we see a big trend with the fruited sours. Do you guys do like a, a heavily fruited Berliner Weiss? Yeah, we've done a few. We actually just uh, made a calendar for next year so we can actually schedule our releases like grownups. And uh, we've done like the, the smoothie. We've also just done a, a bunch of just heavily fruited, with like lactose or maltodextrin and vanilla bean, like trying to mimic some sort of pastry of some sort, but it's also uh-huh. sour. And those seem to be working. I think we kind of have like a, a base that's working for us in that area, but we're also trying to bounce back and forth. Like we also do the sour IPA, mm-hmm. it's fruited, but we use fruit that mimics whatever flavor we're going to get from what hops we're adding. Yeah, I, I just picked up one that was, and I don't recall the name of it, but it was a pineapple coconut uh, IPA. Oh. <laughs> and they were, and I, I get the the woman there who was really selling it. Uh, I, I should I should have uh, been, got her name so I could have said, "Hey, a really good employee selling it." Uh, but she was saying, "I guess you only produce it once a year, and it flies off the shelves." And much like the next, there was only a few four. And she goes, "Whatever you see there, that's all we have. So you better grab it because it's gonna it will be gone." Uh, by the by, and again, it was this Friday, so she said it will be gone this weekend. This is true. The pineapple coconut one, not my thing to drink, but boy, is it popular! And it is such a weird, weird thing. I, our old sales manager, said, Hey, why don't you do like a pina colada IPA? And I said, Okay, fine, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we did it. People liked it. Hey, when's this coming back? I don't know. That's that's my answer. I just say, I don't know. And then we'll do it again. And then it sells really fast. And I think that's just the thing, just to do it once a year. Not that I dislike it. It's just not my thing. I'm not a big 
tiki drink person, but I'm also not going to hold my nose up to what other people want to drink. That's a big part of this. There's <laughs> people who are like really stubborn about their ways and won't make things that other people like. They'll stick to only, you know, what it is that they want. Yep. And it works for some people. And I, I certainly respect that. If it's flying off the shelves, guess what? Like keep on, yeah. <laughs> keep on making, you got to keep on making it. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you, you have a client base and uh, and you have to provide a product to the customer, and so that uh, you know you want to brew your stuff, but at the same time, if something like the Knicks now is probably going to be like super popular because everybody wants to try it, um, then you that's something that you probably want to consider continuing to brew, right? Well, we brewed a batch today. Oh, there, see, there you go. <laughs> Or did you uh, on the label? Are you to put like gold medal winning? You totally should I, do that. I guess eventually we still have labels because I try to order yeah. things in bulk to get a better price. Uh, but get know. a little foil sticker and you could put it right over the label. Well, we'll run out of labels <laughs> eventually, and then we'll <laughs> add it on there. The crazy thing is, it's mostly all going to be sold in house. I don't think we're going to send a lot into distribution. So it will be a, a fun thing that we experienced and we're all really excited proud and happy that that happened absolutely um do you, do you, are there any, any styles you stay away from oh from making yes yes i don't think so i early on in my brewing career i met many people who said i'll never make this style and i would always laugh and say like all right well years from now when you're making this style i'm going to remind you that you said this um like in the beginning i didn't want to make pastry stouts i thought that they were just insanely sweet and so dense and we started making them i can't drink uh more than like five ounces of them but it is pretty fun to go through the whole experience of you know getting these different adjuncts and sourcing them from fun places um there's a guy ted jones vanillas of the world he just really special guy he sources vanilla from all over the place and recently sent out a story about this family that's sourcing or that they're farming vanilla in central africa and he sent me pictures i'm sure he sends it to all of his, all of his folk, uh, but it's just kind of a, a cool thing to try different products and not think like vanilla is just vanilla or cinnamon is just cinnamon. Like we get different products that don't taste like what you were used to tasting them as a child, and that's a lot of fun for us. Um, we just yeah, we did a beer with toasted coconut, sea salt caramel and cook island uh vanilla planifolia and these beans were so plump that when the, i mean we can always smell the vanilla through the shrink wrap but it was crazy intense when they arrived um it's just yeah that's a style i never thought i was going to make but we do and we have fun with it i don't know i don't know what there, there's probably styles i don't know about because we've been so crazy busy playing catch up that we're not always up to speed like we just did our second cold ipa and i think that's been going on for a while um yeah 
people are back to mash hopping. I'll I'll basically try anything. If some yeah. new product comes out, I don't generally say no. So let's make a beer, see what happens. So so you you're in San Gabriel. There's a quite a number of other breweries kind of in your proximity. Are you look you guys looking at doing like a col- a collaboration beer at any point in time? I mean, you have a Pacific Plate. You have low. And you have uh, Air Lodge not too far away. We did a beer with Hop Secret earlier this year. Oh, yeah. I'm brewing a beer at their place on Monday. Okay. And then Nick at Air Lodge and I are friends. And we've been talking about it. It's just one of those things. Scheduling is not the easiest thing to do. Um, I certainly would like to do more local. Uh, I'm also from San Diego. So it's... Uh, a weird thing where a lot of my uh, industry ties come from there. So we are doing a collab at Harland, I think earlier, mid next month. And then we're doing a Burgeon collab and they're coming up here. Okay. And then we're kind of swapping, like we'll go down there next year and Harland will come up here next year. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I love the idea of community. The, the boys at Hop Secret, um, I think have become like our neighborhood chums. They also, their brewery is like three miles from. My yeah, house. yeah, so definitely. Super you think you talk about opening up another, uh, another place. Do you think San Diego might be something you're looking at in the future just because it's kind of your, your roots or. Probably you- not. We're probably going to look into in Los Angeles. I know we've okay. toyed around with the idea of like Los Feliz or Burbank. Um, we just want to go somewhere that we can find a building where the rent is our biggest expense and a place that has foot traffic, a place that um, is underrepresented, right? a place that we think is like a good fit for yeah. Underrepresented might not be San Diego. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> another reason that we ended up in Los Angeles. Yeah, it might not be the BSD um, going down there this weekend for uh, the uh, Monsterland event on uh, on Saturday, which is a big event that they have uh, annually. Cool. Yeah, I know them from like when they first started. At least I know Mike and RJ. I don't know them well. It's just they opened in Carmel Mountain Ranch and I was working in Rancher Bernardo. Okay. And it was just like a yeah, someone's roasting coffee <laughs> in this area just was like an unheard of thing because it was mostly just chain restaurants. And so it was kind of a cool thing to watch them grow from afar and it's so crazy how big they are in the beer scene. Are you guys getting out more to festivals and pouring yeah. festivals now? Yeah, we, we do a fair amount. I've stopped doing them personally just because uh-huh. there's not enough hours in the day. Um, but Sean, our sales manager, has been doing a fair amount. I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know the lot. We did the Beer and Dumpling Festival here in San Gabriel, which oh, nice. is a huge thing every year. I wanted to do that one. Yeah. Uh, and then they have one at the they have one is it, but they have one at Santa Anita too I think right is that is that that one or is that something else I don't know I don't know any Santa Anita That's you know the uh, the uh, horse race track they they yeah. do they do beer events uh, a few times a year I think 
uh, let's see. So fourth anniversary coming up on November 5th. What can we expect on that day? Um, we're having two releases. We're doing um, an anniversary hazy pale ale. Figure we do enough like hazies and double hazies and triple hazies year round. It'd be kind of fun to make something a little bit more sessionable, but up the ante on the ingredients. So it's made with citra, cryo citra, HBC 586, cryo HBC 586, phantasm. For those who don't know what phantasm is, it's a thiol from grape must. Uh, I believe it's Sauvignon Blanc grapes. Um, we actually put that all in at knockout hops and we used a thiol producing yeast string from Berkeley. Um, it's their, uh, I think it was the London, the tropics. Yeah, the London tropics strain. And it's just a 6% crazy, tropical, juicy, easy drinking, 6% still has some body to it. Um, we just thought it'd be fun if we're going to have a party and not make something that's like over the top. Although we did also bottle uh, Imperial Stout that was aged in Blanton's barrels for nice. 18 months. Wow. And that's 14.6%. And normally we've been adjuncting these, but we thought for the anniversary, it'd be really fun to do one that is just the base beer that had been aged in the barrels for 18 months. And it's, it's pretty awesome. I don't think we're even serving it on draft. We're just selling bottles because that would be a little dangerous. We have a couple food vendors. Um, we rented a stage. We have two bands playing. Oh, wow. Actually, one of the bands is a, a band that me and three of my closest friends started that was never like a serious band. Uh, we all just played in other bands over the years. And we had recorded six songs together and we nice. all live in different places, but everyone is coming back to LA and we are going to perform our music in front of everyone. Which will oh, be so, so you're going to put a pick up an instrument and play. Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so what do you play? I play guitar, piano, sing. And so are you the lead singer for this group, for the band that's I, playing? I, I am. Nice. Pretty so, ridiculous. So the, the, I guess my final question is what what don't you do? You you play your instrument, you're in a band, you brew, you have the brewery, you're you went to culinary school, you're an artist. I mean <laughs> you do it, you're doing everything. I don't sleep. <laughs> that that's probably it, right? Do you do you do you are you exhausted? <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. Uh, I'm going to fall asleep during this interview. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just have always been um, more of a creative or like a math brain. I don't know how they separate that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what made me this way. Do you, I mean, so going back to sleep, do you require a lot of sleep and you just don't get it? Or you're, you're one of those guys that's always active and you can't sleep. And so you only need four hours so you can do all your other stuff. Oh no, I love sleep. <laughs> uh, Cause I would say, I, I would say I'm a pretty creative guy, um, but I need, I need it. I honestly probably could go for 10 hours of sleep, but I just, I don't get that much obviously because all the other stuff going on, Yeah, um, but, but I, re I require a lot of sleep. Uh, I know you can't, I guess, 
they say you can't catch up on sleep but many times in my life i've put myself through the ringer like when i was working at saint archer i was bartending five nights a week while working 40 hours a week there because it was a learning experience for me and on saturdays or sundays i, I wouldn't always have the same day off i would sleep for 12 hours and it would be the most refreshing thing when i woke up yeah, I still practice that a little bit. I take Sundays off for the most part. I try not to work more than an hour on Sundays and I sleep generally until at least nine on Sundays, but I've slept till like noon, one o'clock. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's good. <laughs> I endorse that. <laughs> Definitely endorse that. Uh, all right. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um this has been Jason from Ogopogo Brewing, the winner of a gold medal for Nick's in the category of International Style Pale Ale. I want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Brews Interviews. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry if I ran off at the mouth a little. No, that's what we want. We want we want to hear what you have to say. No one wants to hear what no one wants to hear what I have to say. People want to hear what you have to say. I figure it's a conversation. There you go. Thank you so much. Thank you.